0: Service. What is up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Full Service Podcast. I am Tank Smith, your host. Today is episode 54. Thanks for being here. Shout out to my guest from last week, Cherith Fuller. Cherith, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. That was a good time. Listeners, if you have not, make sure you check out last week's episode. Give Cherith a follow. She is on Twitter at Cherith Fuller and at Cherith underscore NSFW. I have a link to her Twitter, her website, her OnlyFans, and the Libsyn page from last week. So make sure you hit that Libsyn page. Show her some love. If you're on social media, we are as well. We're at Full Service Pod on Instagram and Twitter. My personal Instagram and Twitter at Tank Funk Adela. Give me a follow as well. If you enjoy the podcast, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Hit that like button, hit that follow button, and you'll be alerted as soon as a new episode drops. Ratings and reviews really do help for visibility for the podcast, so if you could hit us with that five-star rating, write a review, that would help us out. Incredibly. I love you forever. I say it every week. Hit me up. Let me know you wrote a review. I will send you a sticker. Hey. (laughs) Today, episode 54. I'm excited. I take a trip down under, go to Australia. (laughs) My guest is Jet Black, a former sex worker and the CEO of Sweet Release Agency. Jet formed Sweet Release in 2018. It's an adult entertainment marketing and PR agency. So basically any business in the adult entertainment spectrum, they represent it. From sex toy companies, escorts, porn stars, brothels, literally anybody. Jet started escorting in Sydney and has been in the industry for almost ten years now. So he's talk about his start, using his knowledge of the adult industry and his expertise in marketing to form Sweet Release, the creation of X Awards, which is basically the Australian Avian Awards. How coronavirus has affected Australia, the adult entertainment industry in Australia. And uh, so much more. I, uh, it's a lot of fun. I definitely think you'll enjoy this. You can find Sweet Release on Twitter at Sweet Release AU underscore. Their website is SweetRelease.agency. And you can find Jet on Twitter at JetBlackAU. Follow all those accounts. <laughs> but no, I hope you enjoy this interview with Jet Black. I will see you on the other side. Later. Welcome back listeners. It's Tank Smith. I'm excited for today's episode. My guest, a former sex worker and the CEO of Sweet Release Agency, Jet Black. Jet, thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, Tang, thanks for
1: having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Hopefully my, my Aussie accent's not uh, too too hard for people to, to to understand. But yeah, no, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited. What uh where are you? Where are you in uh, Australia? Where are you located?
1: So I'm currently located in Melbourne, Victoria. So that's down towards the bottom end of Australia, which is quite fitting for me. As, as a someone in the sex industry, I would <laughs> deem myself as a bottom, although I was topping from the bottom when I was <laughs> working in the industry. So yeah, so uh, Victoria is where I'm located now, which, which is lovely, although I was originally born in Sydney.
0: Oh, okay, sweet. How, uh, what do you like better, Sydney or Melbourne?
1: Uh, I would have to say, depending on what you're going for, Melbourne's got the culture, the arts, uh, the wine bars, and, and the good food. Uh, Sydney's good for uh, a short, quick fuck time, as opposed to a place I would probably move to again. Not writing okay. on Sydney, but I do love the laid-back vibe of Melbourne. It's very different to Sydney. I think if people come to Australia, go to Sydney for your parties and yeah. If you're in heat, go to Sydney for some, a little bit of tourism and some sex. And then if you go to Melbourne, you have that more cruisy atmosphere. Although Melbourne is more sex positive, I think, than Sydney in terms okay. of parties and swinger events and your open-mindedness to trying fetishes and kinks. Melbourne seems to be much more open-minded to that than Sydney, whereas Sydney is a little bit more hard partying atmosphere so okay yeah I, I love that part of Sydney it's good for a holiday <laughs> and it's, good to go to, it's good to go to Sydney for the Mardi Gras but you know it's good to come back to my new home which is Melbourne for the last couple of years so okay yeah.
0: sweet what uh what do you like to do for fun what are you passionate about
1: you know pre-lockdown I enjoyed going out to clubs I enjoyed me the nightclub routine definitely performing uh which i haven't been able to do now for a while so aside from the sex industry stuff which i love and i've been in that been in this industry now for 10 years my uh other claim to fame is working as a singing drag performer uh originally dabbling around sydney gay bars and and giving that a go and then i got you know fuck it i'm sick of doing the gay bar scene i'll go and do some heterosexual events because they seem to appreciate it a lot more i think the gay shows like RuPaul's drag race has more actually no i'll I'll correct myself here i think RuPaul's drag race has a lot of people that watch it that are starting out in drag and then you've got the straight people that love it because it's so (laughs) out there so you've got the you've got the young queens taking notes uh, and then the other queens that have been around for a while, just refining themselves, going, oh, that's how you draw an eyebrow. Oh, maybe I should paint my, you know, cheeks on like that instead of using bronzer. Um, yeah. But then you've got, you know, your heteronormative community that, that really embraces it all. So I stepped out of the gay bars a couple of years ago uh, and decided that maybe doing some weddings and some hens parties and some corporate functions might be more my thing. And yeah, it turned out really well for me. So then my drag career in clubs turned into drag career on cruise ships and hotels and product launches. And I think the last major event I performed for in drag was for Emirates, um, oh, nice. the airline. Yeah. They, they own a few hotels here in Australia that are like five, seven star properties or what they call seven star properties, but they are amazing and had the pleasure of performing there at, at their hotels. And, and doing product launches and all that sort of fun stuff. So, yeah, I love it. That's that's my, my go-to when I get a chance to do that sort of thing. Um, dulling up and being someone completely different. Uh, whacking a wig on and painting my face and whacking some heels on. Although I do regret the heels every time I take them off because I forget how... <laughs> you know, now that I've been in lockdown now for almost seven months... I'm, you know, the next drag booking that comes in, I might just wear flats, <laughs> just, yeah. just in case. But yeah, <laughs> so the drag thing's always a good thing to do. It's always fun. Um, Altarico's name there's charismatic, uh, as in charisma. Oh, nice. And yeah, no. After doing the the drag, uh, the gay bars, and all that sort of sort of amazing opportunities there, I ended up on reality TV, and I was on our version of Australia's Got Talent. Um,
0: oh shit! Fuck
1: well, yeah. <laughs> which, which got me some exposure, and uh, my parents became memes, which was interesting. <laughs> they, they loved my mom. They really loved my mom. So my mom became a, a meme on, on Twitter and went viral, and people were like, oh, look at her, hashtag adorbs. Um, <laughs> and I think the only meme I got done on me was me crying because I got a uh, standing ovation and four yes votes from people like Monk and, uh, Kelly Osborne who absolutely loved me. So it was, um, that was an experience and yeah, I miss performing, you know, aside from singing and, and, uh, doing the occasional performance for weddings or gay bars or charities, it's pretty much, yeah, it's, it's more the, the arts or the refined arts and a bit of culture and, live music and theater shows i'm really into my arty farty stuff
0: (laughs) that's amazing i feel like i feel like once your parents become memes that means you made it like officially
1: (laughs) i think they made it Mum got more followers on twitter than me (laughs) (laughs) i was like i'm the one that sang on stage you clapped and cried in the audience but you were there which is great (laughs) i think it's awesome i've got parents like them to be honest um That are open-minded and that accept me for being the the gay creative drag queen guy that works in the sex industry. You know, it's good to know they have no filter. <laughs> so.
0: Oh yeah! You said that you were in the sex industry for like ten years. You've been in for ten years.
1: Yeah, that's right. So about a decade. <laughs>
0: Can you remember the first time you ever heard of sex work at all?
1: Heard of? Uh, yeah. I saw it. Actually, no, I did. The first time I saw sex work being a thing was in a series called Queer as Folk. Okay. Which is like this really awesome series. Basically, my first exposure to anything of the gay community, even though at the time I wasn't really out of the closet, I saw this series called Queer as Folk. And I remember seeing nightclubs and amazing parties that I was always like, I think I was 15 or 16 at the time going, oh my God, like, I really want to experience that sometime but at the moment i'm not sure that's my th- scene or my thing but i remember seeing some sex workers in those shows that i was watching and getting a, a little bit of an understanding about what it was but i really had no idea prior to stepping into the industry what it was really like until i okay. kind of threw myself in uh head first <laughs> so to speak and, and really got a feel for it how did uh, how did that happen how'd you get in so originally it was coming out um, as as a gay guy and then diving into gay bars, the first opportunity I had. Uh, and that opened up a lot of opportunities for me very quickly. Uh, I was what they call a twink. Uh, and that's not to be confused with the, the Twinkie. I, I've mentioned this before <laughs> another other podcasts. i are like, what the fuck's a twink? Isn't that that cream-filled sponge cake? I'm like, no, there may have been some cream filling, in my escort career, uh, receiving <laughs> or giving, but, uh, there was definitely no sponge. <laughs> um, this year, yeah, so I was what they called a twink back then. And that was like a skinny guy, no hair kind of boyish looks boy next door sort of style. And because I was new to the gay community, I had a lot of people throwing themselves at me very quickly. Like the moment I stepped into a gay bar with my two mates at the time all these people wanted to buy me drinks and take me home in the first 20 seconds of walking in the bloody door. Um, That's
0: nice. That's nice.
1: Yeah. I liked the attention, but didn't know what to do with it. And so I had a lot of friends in the clubs that were escorts as well and drag queens and nightclub managers and drug dealers, like you name it. I've done it, touched it, fucked it, licked it and lived to tell the tale. Um, But at that moment, I had a lot of friends that were escorts and they were telling me what they did. And I was like, oh, you know, I really don't understand my sexuality that well at the time. And maybe I'll be able to learn more about myself and, and what it means to be a gay guy through other people. So I had no filter. And so I kind of just threw myself into the escorting ring and went home with guys. Originally, it was just for fun. I never really knew what to do when it came to the exchange of money. And so yeah. I was more of the... You know, I'll go home with them, and if they open their wallet and throw me some money, then that's great. If they don't, then at least I had a good time, <laughs> and <laughs> it wasn't that far from the club, so I'll just, you know, hightail it back to the club I was at, um, and you know, maybe it'll happen again. Uh, but my my sex drive then was overdrive, so I really remember diving into the club scene really quickly and and finding my way through. But then my friends hooked me up on some app at the time, which was new to me, which was Grinder, And okay. that's kind of where uh, my escorting career really took off a bit because I was able to message guys directly and they would message me and I'd be in a club and I would use it like a, a navigation tool, like a nav man. <laughs> so it's yeah. like This guy is only a couple of meters away from me. So he's either upstairs in the cocktail bar or he's on the same level as me watching this crappy drag show in the, in the bar. So I decided, you know, to use that app to kind of navigate my way through who I was comfortable sleeping with. And at the same time, they're all different. So every single person I I got with was either a lawyer or a magistrate or a CEO of some company or an airline owner. Okay. so I, I got all the really wealthy clientele, uh, just because i was young and at the time everyone after you know a few clients they still thought i was naive so i was able to experience a lot more really quickly because i was just like yeah fuck it let's do whatever you can pour hot wax on me you can throw some nipple clamps on me what's a spreader bar oh sounding yeah let's give that a go um i had no filter so i pretty much did everything and anything at the time and if i didn't like it i didn't do it again but You know, the first time I had money exchange hands was like a $500 payment. And it's like, you know, you've been here all day. Here's some cash and like you can make a career out of this. And I'm like, oh, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, well, I've probably done this a few times. But this guy then paid me and that was probably about the the fifth or sixth guy I hooked up with at a club. And it kind of just went from there. So... I learned by doing and then my escort mates in the clubs, we used to swap stories about the clients we got with and how many clients have you got with? Oh, know, I've got one with eight. What about you? Oh, five. It's like, oh, okay, we've got another four hours. Let's see if we, you see who beats who. <laughs> how many people they hook with? I hook up with tonight. Uh, so we used to make a game out of it. And that's kind of how I, f- I kind of maintained my industry connections earlier on and, and learned through the experiences of other workers. But initially it was just watching queer folk going oh okay that's what a sex worker is they go around clubs boys take them home and then when they're done they go back to the club and keep dancing that's so that was kind of my mentality around it but i i never really understood the money part of it and until it really got going
0: i always like to ask my guests do you feel like at the beginning there was ever a waiver period where like like a learning curve where you like weren't good has that ever happened
1: yeah, there was. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing with, with clients. So initially I would have these experiences where they're like, oh, so what are you into it? I'm like, I actually have no idea. <laughs> so I, used to, I, I started learning very easily that the best way around that was just to tell the client that you've got me for the hour, do whatever you want. Again, okay, yeah. that was probably not the smartest move because telling them that they could do whatever they want really opened up everything that could have been possible but at the same time it was a lot of fun because I was doing things that were new, new and I had never experienced before but mainly the main reason why I said oh yeah do whatever is because I didn't really know what to do so yeah, that moment of like a waiver period where I wasn't good at it, I was kind of like, the only way I'm going to know what people want is by just going with the flow and seeing what happens. And that's kind of why, I, like I touched on before, it was easier for me to go and do it once and then go, okay, I don't want to do that again. Cause that was yeah. fucking scary or it hurt too much or just wasn't for me. So yeah, the waiver period for me was trial and error and, yeah. There was another moment for me where I had to really reflect on the career as itself and go, is this something I want to keep doing? Because at the time, my parents didn't know what I was doing and they didn't find out till at least probably 80% the way through my career before I actually said anything. So, you know, about eight years in, they found out, but I wasn't telling them at the start. I was going clubbing and going home on a Monday morning, uh, hung over from partying too much and then repeating the wheel Friday to Sunday and just going oh I stayed at a mate's
0: <laughs> oh so, yeah yeah
1: so they had no idea And I think the waiver period there for me was where I was questioning you know do I keep doing this am I enjoying myself is it safe I did question those things because I wasn't entirely sure what would come of it and what that meant for me socially because I was a bit of an outcast in primary and high school. I was always that arty guy that no one really wanted to know because I wasn't into sports and oh, had a lot of friends yeah. that were girls. And that was when I didn't really know what it meant to be gay and, and whether I was or not. And and so I kind of went from that into clubs where people wanted to know me. But I was like, do I want people to only know me as the sex worker or how do I navigate this, so there was a period where I was like, "Do I just keep doing this and meet people through the clubs and through couples that wanted to book me for threesomes and group parties and stuff, or do i do I want to not do this and just you know hang around the drag queens and stuff and just yeah. have a more social? experience so that makes sense yeah it was a bit of a touch and go moment where i kind of stopped and started and then went away for a couple of weeks just to kind of refresh my brain and then go back and ask questions of people that owned sex on premise venues and brothels and other escorts that have been doing it for years to really get an idea of how they navigated it because i didn't want to be one of those ones that that fall too hard into the industry and don't know how to separate who they are from what they do for work. Um, and I find a lot of workers make that mistake. They start in the industry and then they they work for a while, a, a period of time, maybe three to four months. And then if they can't work out how to be jet in their career, so jet black in their escort career, and then separate that away from Braden Reese, who I am every other day, it's really interesting that when I've seen escorts start a career in the industry and not work out how to switch on the persona for work and switch on who they are every day in their everyday life, that they end up, you know, falling into problematic situations, whether that's addictions or um, assault and, and things like that. And then it starts to get really dark. And and so for me, I was worried about all that sort of stuff <laughs> And I've gone through some of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, when I reflect on it now, I, I went away for a period, never really crossed my mind, but I did ask questions and I was unsure early on. So, yeah.
0: Were the uh, Were the other people uh, that you met through the way, sex workers, were they always willing to kind of like help with any advice? And I know you said you kind of swapped stories. Were those yeah. people people that you could lean on in the industry?
1: Yeah, they were. So a lot of like the nights that I would go out, and and party and then uh have clients that booked me from clubs and then i'd go home with them and then sometimes get stuck in the city whether or not that meant that i'd go home on a night rider and then (laughs) catch a four-hour bus all the way back home rather than a 40-minute train trip i I used to i used to stick around the club owners houses and their apartments in in surrey hills which is like the, the gay strip of Sydney, so Oxford Street okay. where the Mardi Gras parade is. And and basically that would be the street I would work on. But then if I ever got stuck or if I had a, a, a negative experience with a client, then I was able to make a phone call or I had keys to a nightclub manager's house or their apartment. I'd be able to just dive right in and crash on the couch and then go home the next day. So I had a lot of support which is unusual because when I I mention these sort of experiences I've had in in the escorting profession, a lot of escorts say that they don't have the same and it's, it's interesting because... I guess I kind of like, oh, I just got lucky that <laughs> <But laughs> I was, you know, just this young kid on the block and everyone's like, oh, cool, we can corrupt the fuck out of him because he's new. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but at the same works. time, I kind of held on to those contacts really strongly because I didn't really have a big social uh, vibe going on outside of work. So I, I maintained those relationships. And if that meant sleeping with them every weekend or every second day, then I did because I didn't want to lose what I thought was a friendship, so I had a lot of support from brothel managers and, and nightclub managers that that knew of me because they allowed me to work in their businesses. Um, and then the sex workers I worked with that we used to swap advice with, you know, next time you jerk him off, make sure you hold his cock like this, or um, you know, try not making out with them because if you get a cold sore, then you have to wear Savirax and it takes a while to go down and then it looks like you got herpes and then no one's going to fucking touch you. So yeah. a lot of the escorts used to, to give me tips on what to and what not to do. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of support for me early on because I think the sex workers I was friends with were really excited to know that someone was really open minded to exploring the industry and not judging it. Yeah, And within the queer community, there's a lot of judgment Um, because we're sassy bitches. So (laughs) uh, it's kind of where the drag side comes in. But I had a lot of support from just advice to people that were willing to look after me when I had a shit night to even moments where I was stupid and had dabbled in the drug side of the industry. Or, you know, I wouldn't say it's part of the industry, but it's definitely in there just
0: a part of life everyone's everyone's <laughs> yeah, and i tricks. dabbled with
1: that and <laughs> uh i remember this drag queen that knew me really well picked me up off the side of the road because i had just passed out and she took me home and cooked me breakfast and and looked after me and i was like i have no idea what happened that night she goes don't worry i took you home like i had some really close calls early on in my career but i had a lot of support um which I'm so thankful for because I think there's a couple moments there, like just on that one alone that I could have been dead. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I, I've seen a horror movie that happened and I'll show you one time and yeah, I mean, you might, you might not have made it back home.
1: I, I really don't think so. I, I think if, um, if I had not been lucky to meet a lot of people really quickly and not, give a fuck about handing my number out to everybody like even to this day i have a new phone number but my phone has synced all the contacts is at least over five and a half thousand (laughs) people in my phone oh my god i couldn't fucking tell you who they are all i know is that in the notes i've got down uh drag queen from this bar or this drag okay sweet (laughs) (laughs) i've got notes on everybody so if i open my phone i can go oh grinder okay so clearly that was someone i met on grinder (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting but i'm I'm, yeah i had a lot of support and and uh just you know talking about it now reminds me of a lot of those experiences that were a little bit touch and go for me (laughs) so
0: i know uh you mentioned like kind of you started out in the clubs and then you kind of like transitioned to grinder is does does male escorting differ in how clientele is like, I guess, reaches out to you compared to, like, female escorting? Because I know, like, I'll see you in the US there's a lot of, like, ad, like I guess everyone's posting ads, but I, I've yeah. interviewed several people and it's kind of like it seems to be a different process for male escorts and female escorts. Does that differ in Australia?
1: Yeah, it's 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 on par with exactly the same experience I've had. So when I started 10 years ago... In the sex industry as an escort, I noticed that there wasn't many places to advertise and people would either advertise on like directories or forums where you can go on the same directory and buy a barbecue or, you know, hire someone to (laughs) mow your lawn, Um, you know, not just, you know, grouse someone out. Like I had no idea that, you know, there were other places to advertise and there certainly wasn't when i started out so a lot of escorts would dive onto mainstream directories or uh through apps and just but again even apps like grinder hornet uh, tinder which is like the the straight version of the app and then you've got other apps like bender and blender and all these other ones that came out and jacked like i've been on them all uh, because I used to find clients on them, but eventually these apps cracked down on escorts and were like, yep, you can't be on these apps and selling sex. Cause that's just against our rules. And, and so at the time, okay. okay like anyone that's smart enough, you just delete the account and start again, but they eventually cracked onto that too. <laughs> so,
0: yeah.
1: Um, they, know what they're, they, they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Eventually they caught on. Um, but word of mouth worked well for me. And, And when I explain that to people, they, or other escorts, even female escorts, they don't get it. And it's like, maybe it's not the same for you. And from asking them, I know it's definitely not. But for me, I was able to get clients by word of mouth, like in the gay community, everyone kind of talks to each other and it's a small world if you fall into certain parts of it. So a couple would talk to another couple or a, a single guy would talk to a couple that was friends and they'd mentioned that they hooked up with a guy that did X, Y, Z and they're like, Oh, I want to try all that too. Who is it? And then my number would get passed around. So I kind of got okay. clients by referral and word of mouth. And a lot. I know a lot of female escorts don't experience the same thing because they have to advertise on back page and other directories out there like escorts and babes. And there's, there's quite a, there's a lot of them. Um, oh yeah, there's lots, lots of websites. <laughs> I could rattle them off, but there's just there's so many escort directories out there, um, and I know that they have to try a lot harder. In saying that, though, Australia and Europe, and now more so with America, with the introduction of this application, now there's also a, a website called Rentmen. It's been around for several years now, but it allows gay escorts, straight escorts, bi escorts that are all male to advertise sex work services. On that site, so rather than an escort site that has females on it, there's now sites out there for male escorts.
0: Solely, solely men.
1: And yeah, and it never used to be a big thing. There were always online dating sites where escorts used to advertise, like Aussie Men um, and Men.com. Like there were a whole bunch of you know dating sites that we would advertise on, but even then, you weren't really allowed to do it. So I know that female escorts struggle, transgender escorts even struggle trying to find places to advertise because not many people will go online and, and specifically search for a transgender escort. And then with female escorts, there's so much competition that everyone's price competing. Yeah. So there's like, if I charge $5 less, they'll book me. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's interesting that within the gay male community, the way that, Escorts can advertise within this community and this sector of the adult industry. It's very different to yeah. female and then um, other male escorts that don't even, don't don't really identify with the queer community, because we've got apps where we're very uh, sex-driven community, which is why we've got apps like Grinder and Hornet that are pretty much jump on there, find a fuck and go. It's very rare that these apps are used specifically to make friends or network and Is, do people date off grinder just like dating too you can um but at the, at the same point in time a lot of people when you jump on there and have conversations and you're like trying to meet other people for friendship when you are in a relationship that people tend to assume that that means oh you want an orgy or you want group sex or threesomes and stuff. It's very like even if you use the word friend, people will still go, mm-hmm. Friend <laughs> <Anyway. laughs> game. Like, what if I'm just like, I'm just
0: trying to be friends. I just
1: want some Don't friends with <laughs> fucking coronavirus and everything's closed and when everything reopens, <laughs> I'd like to know there's somebody out there that I can go and have a fucking cocktail with. But um yeah, yeah it's it's interesting that these apps most people are on them for the the quick fox scenario as opposed to getting to know people and it's kind of unfortunate in a way because the way that's like social media and digital media is taking off in the adult industry and then just within society in general that when people go to a club rather than talk to people at a bar they'll be on their phone and they'll be you know scrolling through tinder or grinder or facebook and they'd rather message people from the app than go and shake their hand and go, hey, how are you going? You know, you're hot or hey, babe, you're, you're cute. My name's blah, blah, blah. Like rather than do an in-person, like, in-person introduction, they'd rather hide behind an app.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think as uh, technology increases and we're like, you know, more dependent on our phones, I think that people's like honestly – people's social skills are going to decline to where like nobody wants to fucking like in the future i don't think people will converse as much because you can just like oh you can just look at your phone and be can like get joy from that and you don't really need to like even put yourself out there to like actually talk to somebody it's crazy yeah we'll see what happens we'll see what happens
1: or you then you've got people that just you know start living with the acronyms so rather than laughing we just write lol yeah (laughs) and you to hear
0: some fucking laughs
1: i've heard people walk down the street and in clubs just say lol Jesus! And no, and go low or raffle?" and I'm like, are you going to laugh or are you being sarcastic?
0: <laughs> Obviously, they're being. So- you got to be rolling on
1: the floor if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna say you can't
0: you can't say raffle. You got to really be on the ground, acting that out. And then I like, totally wow, agree. Ruff, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's interesting that social media and that quick text. Is starting to, it's not starting to, it it has, it's fucked up the way people socialize. Yeah. But at the same time, it was helpful for me as a sex worker. And I know a lot of sex workers still today try and use apps to find clients because it's quicker. And most cases, these apps are free as opposed to advertising on directories that charge a lot of money. And if you're starting out, you, you know, the, it's very rare that you have enough money to cover a week's worth of advertising to get the clients you want on these sort of sites where if you're earning three to 400 an hour as a sex worker, but it's costing you three to 400 a week to advertise, and you're new to the yeah. industry, there goes one client. And you may only get one client on your, and when you're starting out because you're a little bit dubious. That
0: that's a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah. Three to four hundred a week advertising. That's crazy.
1: Some, some sites are really dear. Um, and it's a matter of, I think the best advice I can give any escort out there that may be listening to this podcast is, is don't fall for the bullshit that every directory has different fucking clients. Because the same people that went on the directory you're not on are looking on the directory that you are on. And yeah. I, I always tell escorts today that it's better to be in more places than one when you advertise yeah. because putting all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, when it comes to advertising as a sex worker is a really stupid idea and going for the most shiniest and uh, loudest escort directory online does not necessarily mean that people that will book you are actually located near you. A lot of the visitors to that website, may be from overseas, they could be from areas nowhere near you or even still could be fake traffic. So I, I always tell escorts to be very mindful that when you advertise online, make sure you're advertising on more directories and put a few dollars at each one so you've got promoted posts. But don't rely on one directory just because it looks good because that's what they want it to do. The, the directories want you to go, oh, this one's pretty and this is obviously going to be taken more seriously. But in natural fact, most people like a boring blank website where they can just click on there, see some photos and ring someone. That's pretty much all they're looking yeah, for. You know, literally. it doesn't need the bells and whistles to, to make people go on one site versus another. So here's some tips for you ladies and gents out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> be very mindful of your advertising because there are, there are directories out there that will charge a fortune and, and get you nothing. And then there are free ones out there that you've been surprised. Even if you try it, Get a phone, put the number out there, and see if the same person fucking contacts you, and you'll be surprised that most do. You'll get yeah. the same people on one site versus another.
0: You, uh, you exited. You're, uh, you're no longer escorting, right?
1: Ah, uh, current currently on hiatus. Uh, okay, which is good. It's given me, oh, even with coronavirus going on, it's not like a sex worker can work anyway. Or if you do, you you're really flipping a coin every time you go out there. There's no chance that you're not going to get sick, or you will. So at this stage, I've been on hiatus, but at the same time, I'm still working in the the casting component and recruitment side of it for brothels and for porn studios. So I'm still involved in the industry and and marketing and advertising and PR. But personally, as a sex worker, even with coronavirus going on, I may not dive back into the industry as a sex worker until mid-next year when things are a little bit more... A little, a little bit more I mean, safer for everybody. I def- <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Coronavirus is out here. It's uh tell me uh, how how have you been affected by? Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier before this, but how, is, uh, how have you been affected by like COVID?
1: COVID's crazy. It's when people ask me what industry are you in, and I'm like, oh, I do marketing and public relations for the sex industry. They're like, oh, that industry will never be tapped by anything. Like you're in an industry where you can fly your own flag and help an industry without restriction and or without any impact. And I, at the time, this is like two years ago, I had this conversation with someone. I'm like, yeah, you know, right, yeah, well, you are right. Nothing's ever going to shake this industry other than mainstream's miss appropriate misconceptions of our industry and judging us for what they think we are not because of their their true understanding of workers and businesses in this industry but i was very surprised that when coronavirus hit it fucked everybody up like no one saw that one coming and the adult industry globally has been really impacted in saying that a lot of smart businesses have created digital opportunities so strip clubs are now doing virtual strip shows and escorts are now going back into what i thought was a dead industry uh they're now going into phone sex so that's that's making making a comeback (laughs) it's coming back it's coming back i
0: I interviewed someone the other day who does phone sex it's it's uh, it's popping
1: it's it's popping again now because you can't really meet well. You can, but it's a risk. Uh, you know, meet with clients in in person, and so this online use of media, even with the explosion of OnlyFans and many ManyVids, uh, for sex workers because they they can't get the clients directly. They're now moving online. But then the the negative side of this uh, coronavirus in Australia, New Zealand, and around the world. We've seen so many brothels close uh, and escorts leave the industry and get jobs at Costco uh, or Aldi. And it's it's interesting to see a lot of people leave the industry because of this uncertainty, but at the same time, there's businesses that are really struggling financially to keep themselves afloat, just like everybody else. So it's not like I'm yeah. you know, going, oh, boo-hoo, poor adult industry, because everyone's fucked right now (laughs) because and not the way that we want to be um no one had a choice with this virus but it's interesting to see the outdoor industry have to think outside the square to create these new opportunities because what they did before they can't do and we never thought that this would affect the industry the way it has uh in australia we've got a little bit of support from the government, uh, where finance is coming in for brothels and people that were okay. people that were employed or considered full time employed were given opportunities to have what they call a job keeper payment. So basically, that means that the government will fund people almost their full salary per fortnight with a payment plan arrangement so that way everyone can kind of stay afloat but that's now starting okay. to wind down because it's gone on for so long the government's like yeah we're gonna you know let's just focus on the people that are working not the people that aren't or have lost their job which is pretty fucked up <laughs> that,
0: that's like the that really that's
1: it's, like doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make <laughs> sense does it um and i, I totally understand the, I, I understand two things about it. I understand the government's trying to help people that are in in work to stay in work, but at the same time, why give the people that are already working more money? Um, the people that are fucked right now the ones that are unemployed, and the people that, especially like peers of mine in the adult industry, they've, if they've only ever worked in the adult industry and they have no other skill set, they're fucked because they they fucked the most because they have no skill set to apply to an industry. Like they may be good with people and that's a great skill to have as a sex worker, but because they have no pieces of paper, like they can't just go and put a resume together and jump into a career in accounting or marketing or advertising or hospitality as a hotel manager or something like, It's, it's unfortunate that the government's kind of pulling away from people that aren't working to kind of put the pressure on them to find a job. But unfortunately in states like Melbourne, Australia, where I'm where I currently live, our state particularly is closed off from everybody else around the country. So every state shut to Melbourne and, we can't fly into state. There are no jobs currently going because unfortunately, like we talked about briefly tank, we're closed for now six weeks, another six weeks of what they call stage four, which is basically America's version of phase two. We can only do two hours of physical activity outside a day. We've got restrictions between fricking 9. PM and 5. AM. We have to be in the house. If we step outside and we get busted by cops, there's a $1,600 fine. It's, really restrictive and this has been going on now for originally it was we had stage four or phase two restrictions here in australia just in melbourne for a period of uh, five weeks that got extended and now it's going all the way to december and we're in (laughs) september like it's kind of like you know the industry's really suffering in melbourne whereas we we look to our other states around australia queensland's got their strip clubs back open again and escorts are starting to work in different states and nightclubs are back open in sydney and i'm like fuck i wish i was back in sydney right now (laughs) because i i really miss the clubbing environment and i fucking need a holiday from this um house arrest situation that's going on but at the same time the good thing that'll come out of this which i hope happens is that in our industry there's a lot of fucking assholes that just need to get out of the industry and that whether that's business owners or uh, other workers that cause shit for other workers or businesses that cause shit for other businesses and just really don't respect our industry even though they're part of it the silver lining to the coronavirus pandemic is that i kind of hope that all these businesses go broke so that way nicer people come in and change the way the industry relates to each other and that people that need to be knocked off their pedestal actually start relating to each other better and that's building relationships with the industry and and start thinking outside themselves a little bit more and I've already seen this happen in different countries and with some of my clients where they're now building relationships with people in the industry more positively than what they've done before because like they say in the press we're all in this together um, <laughs> you know, so I mean, how many times can you hear that on the TV? Uh, the new normal and the all in this together shit, but it's actually quite true. And now I'm seeing this push into the adult sector. It's ex- it's exciting because it means we'll have new performers, we'll have new workers, we'll have new business owners with amazing ideas, and even some of the current businesses and entertainers will come up with amazing ways to make yeah. our industry more exciting. So. That's the silver lining to the pandemic at the moment. You know, if you put all the deaths and the scary shit aside, the silver lining for our industry is positive change and growth because our industry is not going to go anywhere. It's just on a temporary pause while all the smarty pants in our industry start thinking up amazing ways to do things differently. Um, And I just, my hope here is that, all of the cowboys in our industry, whether or not that's a term that gets used overseas a lot but or internationally, but I'm hoping that all the cowboys of our industry or the cowgirls of our industry, which are the, you know, the ones that are kind of like the old guard of the industry that are known for causing issues that piss everybody off, that they all kind of take a step back and let new people in because yeah. that's the only way our industry is going to kind of change for the better, especially after the pandemic's over. So I'm excited because I can already see these changes taking place. It's just unfortunate it's taken a pandemic to cause it. Yeah, to,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That's that's the that's the downside to it is that it's taken something so awful to happen worldwide for every industry to to actually go holy fuck how do i get out of this and how how do we do things differently so yeah who knows what the adult industry has in store for us around the world but all i know is that the people that are doing well and the businesses that are doing well and the porn stars and escorts that are doing well are going to do even better at the end of the pandemic and we've got new people coming in which makes it even more exciting so fuck yeah! In uh, in
0: 2018, you founded Sweet Release Agency, correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Tell me about uh, tell me about Sweet Release. We haven't talked about it yet.
1: Yeah. So Sweet Release is a uh, adult industry marketing and public relations agency that I started 2018. God, it was 2018, wasn't it? It feels longer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so it's just I think in the in the adult industry, it feels like every day is a week. Uh, so we feel a lot older on the inside but essentially sweet releases adult industry marketing public relations for adult businesses sex workers porn stars uh and everything in between and okay the idea originally came from the fact that when i was working as a sex worker no one knew where to advertise and were coming to me for help and i already had a background in marketing advertising and, and PR I was studying that at university and working privately with different agencies around Australia and no one really wanted to help our industry and I thought this is bullshit I see this as a product I see it as a service I don't see this as anything else but a problem but as a marketer or a publicist I can solve because I can look at the problem identify it understand it and then come up with something new or invigorating that will change this problem into a solved situation for a business or an entertainer that can get more bookings, more sales, more customers, whatever it might be. And so I originally helped 40, about 40 mates of mine that were sex workers, massage therapists, brothel owners, sex on premise, like pretty much all the people that I'd met early on in my escort career. Uh, and it worked. And I, I believe what helped me be able to help them was the fact that I understood the industry because I lived it and I breathed it. And I had a lot of friends and contacts in the industry that would tell me everything going on. That I was able to go, okay, well, what we would do to sell a car with a chicken lingerie, we can't really do that with another chicken lingerie for a chicken lingerie. Like, it's, just, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, you can't have what a girl the- slime all over another girl in lingerie and go, hey, look at her titties and, you know, isn't, isn't she sexy? Call her now. Like, that's not going to work. Well, you we can put her on a car with a couple of sponges and some soap, and people are like, yeah, I'm going to buy that car. Um, but you can't really sell the fantasy as much in the adult industry the same way. And so it's really interesting that when I started changing the way marketing and advertising works for the sex industry and going, okay, well, we can't sell sex with sex, but we can sell the experience. We can sell the personality. We can sell the brand. That is when things changed. And so what I originally had is 40 mates of mine, Soon turned into over two and a half a thousand clients worldwide because word had spread so quickly amongst the industry that people wanted to know what I was doing as a publicist. And so what was what was originally a one-man show with an ex-partner that is no longer part of the picture turned into a family business where everyone at Sweet Release is related to me, apart from 860 or now I think it's 840 contractors around the world that are photographers and videographers where we physically cannot get to those countries to do the shoots, which I'd love to be able to do. Um, We now help all eight of us at Sweet Release as a family now help businesses and entertainers around the world with their marketing, with their publicity, with their advertising, to get more bookings, to get more subscribers, to get more sales. It's, it's refreshing. Uh, I had worked in marketing and advertising with mainstream companies for so long that took the piss out of our industry or just disrespected it that when I started helping an industry I loved and connect with personally, it made a lot more sense to me and I felt more appreciated and valued as a marketer and as a publicist and being able to help people in this industry succeed and be able to help them with that. It's just, it's really, you know, it's fucking awesome. It makes me feel amazing that I can actually use my skills and use my expertise to help an industry that really needs it. Because not many people respect this industry. They use it, but they don't want to talk about it. So
0: yeah, since, since sex work laws vary like country to country, do you have to like navigate laws in terms of advertising at all? Or does that, does that affect, does that affect your company? (laughs)
1: <laughs> all the fucking time uh and it's what's crazy about it is that every state every country has different laws but then they go and fucking change them and Oof. they're always changing like it's it's one of those issues that we have to face head on every day almost even with things as far as not just laws, but also restrictions when it comes to search engines. When you advertise your sex worker career in one country or one city, you can't say what you do as a sex worker. So, for example, in some states in Australia and New Zealand, you can't actually say, I will do, you know, anal. I will suck your cock, I'll swallow, you can do COB, all this stuff, right? You, you can't actually mention any of it. You can say that you're a companion, but if you start going into detail, that's where you get your ass kicked by cops and get fined, uh, whereas in other locations around the world, you can write whatever the fuck you want, just like Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, it's really interesting to navigate. Uh, we, we generally find issues as an agency that sometimes we don't see everything and then we hear about it and then we're like, okay, fuck, we need to rework this and rewire this really quickly. Yeah. And we do, we have moments where we have to do things at the last minute. And that's just because laws will come out while we're halfway through creating a PR release or we're working on someone's website that something comes out and then we have to go through all of our clients' websites and make the same oh, changes. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, new stuff comes out all the time and then we'll have clients come back to us and go, okay, can you change this on our website? Or, you know, I need new photos because I can't have my tits out anymore because this is restricted and yeah, it makes it really challenging, especially for the, the sex worker and, and adult film star sector of the adult industry. Cause everything's fucking changing all the time. <laughs> so yeah, I
0: feel, I feel like that'd be so much work. You are uh, you so sweet release. You also created the X Awards, which is basically like the like the AVN version, the AVN Awards of Australia. Tell me about that a little
1: bit. Yeah, so pretty much X Awards Australia is my take on X AVNs and why not? So why not your Cam Awards, and then you've got X which is your adult film and adult business awards, and you've got your AVNs, which is all about porn. Um and I love what these award shows do in the States, but what I couldn't find in Australia was something of the same fucking, like, equal par to those award shows. We have an award show in Australia, but it's not, like, not talking about our one, but there is other award shows here in Australia that support the industry, but some have given up, some have stopped, some don't really know how to fucking operate. And then you've got other award shows here that, that kind of thrive on nepotism. And I have a big issue with that. Um, and that's because (laughs) I, I believe that people in the industry earn their stripes and every sex worker would know what I'm saying by this is that you work your ass off in the industry mentally and physically to understand who you are and what you want to do with your clients, make them happy and keep them loyal. Right. And it's a struggle and it's a sex work is a fucking job and it's really hard. Now, you know, bums on seats to an award show doesn't really guarantee that you should win a trophy. And a, and in some awards programs, it works that way. But oh, I don't shit. allow X Awards to work that way. Okay. So X Awards is very fair and very regulated. And just similar to what I hear about XBs and AVNs and how regulated those programs are, which is amazing, uh, industry votes for performers, performers vote for performers, performers can nominate themselves and you get put into the correct categories based on your career and that's fucking awesome. In Australia, we're doing the same thing with X Awards. So X Awards, we get every single business and entertainer to either self-nominate or be nominated by the general public. We then contact every single nominee and every nominee is then required to fill out this online questionnaire that ask okay. them about their career, their success stories, some of their failures, what makes them different in the marketplace, why they deserve to win. And then we ask a couple of other questions to help us work out which categories they're best to be placed in. And then we okay. go through all of the information. This year we had 708 people enter the awards program. And for us, that was huge because our first year, last year, we had – 250 so oh, in wow, our that's, second year that's it's tripled
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um and so from there we went through everyone's submission and read everything and then we looked into everything they said they had done to make sure they actually had and that kind of meant that we had to disqualify about two three hundred people because they lied in their application but it keeps it fair and regulated and then we announced the finalists the finalists go on the website uh, and then we open it up to a public vote. So Australia and New Zealand are allowed to vote for each other across these two countries. Uh, and it makes it more inclusive because people that book sex workers or people that watch entertainers or know of people in the industry can support their peers. Uh, and what the awards program also does is it only allows one vote per person. So you can't vote more than once it's, kept that way for a reason so that way just because someone votes for you three times a day doesn't really mean you deserve to win because that person already voted for you once like repeat vote. yeah for sure. never really understood that part uh so we make sure it's one vote per person per awards category per entertainer and if someone's in more categories and that person goes oh fuck i forgot to vote well they can vote for that person again and as long as they don't click the other categories that they're already in and voted for it'll count that additional vote uh and then we opened it worldwide first time ever in the time that we've run x awards we decided to make it international voting for 2020 and that's primarily because of COVID. like it kind of encouraged me to go look you know what last year we had this lockdown to just australia and new zealand this year let's open it up because is people had gotta be people overseas that support our industry in Australia and New Zealand, even though we might be small. And it was very surprising to see that when we opened our international voting, what was a couple thousand votes skyrocketed to nearly nineteen thousand votes around the world Gosh. in just a month. Um, wow. just by opening voting internationally. And the spread of votes is quite different to what I've seen before with our first year's program. We had uh, mainly in Australia and New Zealand, it was almost like an 80 20 split with New Zealand and Australia. And now, when we've opened it up to the world, there's like a 65% US vote for the Australian oh, adult wow. entertainment industry, and the rest is Australia.
0: And so, we, like the, we like the accent.
1: That's I think you is. like the accent, and it's interesting. Uh, it's really interesting to see that even though an industry for Australia and New Zealand might be smaller the US market really does support our industry. And so the other cool thing about it is you can really bring the industry together more when you open it worldwide. So what that means is, is that we've managed to get sponsors on board from around the world. Last year, we oh, had nice. $80,000 in prices, which were photo shoots and uh, directory listings and all that sort of stuff. Now we've actually got... Sponsors such as Naked News, ASN Lifestyle Magazine, all pitching in public relations and advertising opportunities for businesses and adult performers that are part of the awards this year. That's great. So this year, we've got over $350,000 in prizes to give away to 40 award categories because we opened up the international voting and we've invited the international industry in. So. It's made the awards program bigger <laughs> than what I anticipated. Is,
0: is there like a top award, like essentially like the equivalency of like best actor, best actress at the Oscars? Is there a top award for like somebody maybe?
1: Yeah. So we have, uh, we've got two award categories that we introduced this year that are particularly for that. And so we wanted to get the industry to vote for, people in the industry, not just rely on a pub, like a public vote. So we rolled out alpha male, alpha female this year. So what that encourages is a public vote for people to put themselves in. So finalists were able to nominate themselves into these categories. And then we then get the industry to vote for who they think deserves to win those categories, uh, male or female ambassadors for the industry and i like
0: i like how you made it that the alpha male and alpha female have to nominate themselves i like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, an alpha male would do that shit
1: <laughs> yeah it's like you know we know they're confident and you know we kind of figured that people would nominate themselves but we did we did nominate people that were finalists into those categories as well because i was like You know, some people don't really know that their achievements or what they've contributed to the industry is worth recognizing. Like some people have been in the industry for 20, 30 years and have turned the careers around of so many performers, but have never been recognized for it. And then you have people that start businesses and been in the industry for 50 years as a family business and not once received an award or recognition for what they've done for the industry as a whole. Like even having products reintroduced to the market purely because the government said, no, I've got businesses involved in X awards this year that have shared their story where they've challenged the government and they've challenged local council and they've challenged courtrooms and had products brought back to Australia because purely out of ignorance, these products were blocked or banned or businesses were, you know, misappropriated by the press and they've challenged the press and won. And these stories should be out there and they should be heard. And that's primarily what X Awards is about is telling stories of amazing businesses and entertainers in our industry so that the rest of the world can see what the fuck the industry is really about, rather than doing what I did, which was watch a series on TV and go, Oh, that's what it means to be an escort. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Spread the good news.
1: That's the plan. That that's the whole mission behind it, and and definitely bringing the adult industry that step closer from Australia and New Zealand, the the adult industry here, closer to the industry around the world. And what? and only can that be done if we talk and network with each other, which is what the X Awards is.
0: I think so. I think it can happen.
1: I hope so. It's <laughs> our so, so second year running. It's getting bigger every year, and uh, it's. It's exciting to see. It's unfortunate that coronavirus impacted X Awards this year, which means our awards night's been moved to February of next year. But that just means we've got two parties next year and the voting is extended and it gives people more time to focus on their careers, get the votes coming in for themselves. And then when we celebrate the 2020 X Awards in 2021, uh, we'll hopefully have a winner announced in February. (laughs) And then in November of 2021, we have our 2021 awards program and awards night. So two parties next year, which I think the industry really, really well deserves (laughs) after what's been a real. For for sure. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Where do you see yourself? Where do you see sweet release in the future?
1: Definitely keeping on par with, with trends in the industry. uh, Like what we're doing now for businesses and entertainers, I never really thought we would be doing two years ago. Like where we are today, I thought that would have taken years to get here, let alone did I ever think that my career would have taken a turn and completely dive into the adult sector. So it's it's really exciting to go from just, a, you know, helping a few friends to now helping the world. Uh, it's a little bit intimidating when you say it out loud, but um, it's, It's a lot of excitement and a lot of change in the industry right now that the industry is uncertain, like in a a good way. So for me, I think it means that uh, as a company, we'll be going more into the digital side of things, uh, definitely. And definitely focusing on building relationships with people out there that talk about the industry and support the industry around the world to start helping the industry everywhere around the world. So rather than just... I think bringing people together in our industry makes a lot more sense than working in silos. Like I touched on earlier, it makes, to me, it's made a lot more sense to build relationships with the industry than it has been to just work on our own as an agency. And so inviting podcasters in just like yourself to, to have conversations like these and to, Uh, talk to editors like ASN Magazine, Michael from there, who's been so supportive of X Awards and with Sweet Release with us. And what our mission is, is to bring the industry into the spotlight rather than keeping it, you know, buried in the the back corner of the red light district. Uh, And so everyone can understand the industry for what it is and not what for what they think it is, Uh, is what our mission is. And I hope that continues. But at this stage we are looking potentially to start our own association and we do have relationships with an incredible company called the adult industry association based in barbados and you know they're a growing platform and they support adult workers and adult businesses and startups that want to work with our industry so it's really exciting to know that there are companies out there and and people out there that want to advocate for the best interest of our industry and so this sweet release into the future, I, I'm going to make it my mission to make sure I get to find all these people. I and mean, when the fucking borders open and planes are allowed to fly out of the country, I want to definitely get around the world and meet everybody and and start okay. building those relationships more directly so we can work out ways to support the industry post-coronavirus and into the future because, our, like I said, our industry is not going anywhere. Everybody eats, everybody sleeps, everybody fucks, and the industries that aren't going anywhere is anyone that produces food, anybody that needs to sleep in a hotel, anybody that needs a good route. Like, it's just
0: everybody sleeps, everybody eats, everybody fucks. That is a beautiful title of this episode. I like yeah. that. Yeah,
1: and you know, it's <laughs> it's uh it's an exciting time for the industry, and wherever the industry goes, we'll be sure to follow and. Help guide people make the best decisions for their businesses and careers and if that's helping people get into porn with the right studios and navigating which agencies are the best ones to work with versus ones that you kind of jump on and they don't do anything we do, you and you're like, what the fuck? Uh, through to directories and advertising sex workers to make sure that they don't put all their eggs in one basket. Through to taking retailers up, up to their next level to make sure they make more sales is is ideally what we want to do. And we want to chip away at that misconception that's out there by the media that our industry is, you know, something to not embrace because my hope through Sweet Release and X Awards is that we'll be able to chip away at this to the point where we have one umbrella for every industry and that the conversation about sex is more open and that sex positivity and inclusivity can be something that's more embraced around the world, not something that's taboo. So that's Fuck our yeah, focus. That, was, that took that was, a long while for me to work out where we're going to go in the future in my head. But that's it's uh where we That was, that, we're that was go. nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, Jet! I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been good.
1: It's been good talking with you. It's uh, it's oh, really yeah. cool to know that there are people out there just like yourself, Tank, that that support our industry. It's good to see.
0: Oh, doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> before we uh, before we get out of here, do you want to plug uh, any social media at all for uh, for the people out there?
1: Yeah, sure. So people can find us pretty much everywhere. Uh, Sweet Release Agency can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look for Sweet Release Agency. Uh, for X Awards Australia, which is our awards program. You can check us out on Instagram and you'll see a recent post where we tell people that it's been rescheduled. But please do get your votes in. doesn't matter where you are around the world. If there's an adult entertainer or adult business you want to support, please do support them because your vote does matter and the vote is what will help them win. So check them out. And if there's someone there you don't recognise... Google them. You'll find them online, whether they're on OnlyFans, and who knows, you might find the next best content you've never discovered, and it's all because you dipped your toes into the Australian waters. So check out XAwards AU on Instagram and Twitter. And then for our website, you can check out Sweet Release Agency and what we're doing for over 2,386 businesses because our numbers are changing daily due to COVID, but you can check out what we're doing with these amazing businesses around the world at sweetrelease.agency. There's no .com, no .au. Just type in sweetrelease.agency and xawards.com.au to vote for your favorite Aussie business or entertainer. And if you have questions about the adult industry or you're stuck with what you want to do with your career or your business, please do not hesitate to message me directly. I love getting questions. Uh, Instagram seems to blow up a lot for me with people asking, how do I get into the industry? I want to become a porn star or, you know, how, where do I advertise? I even get people asking, me, you know, what's the best sex toy because I'm struggling to have an orgasm. I'm happy to answer these questions and I always find it exciting when someone messages me back and says, you know, I, I did this and it worked. Uh, so please feel free to reach out to me directly. And my Instagram is just J-E-T-T, Jet Black au au for australia so you'll be able to find me on instagram that way and hit me up and send me some questions more than happy to help
0: fuck yeah jet i appreciate i appreciate you coming on this has been great
1: (laughs) it's been great chatting with you thank you for letting me chew your ear off
0: (laughs) oh fuck yeah (laughs) listeners we will be back all right later that was my interview with jet black yo shout out jet i appreciate you coming on the podcast that was a good time Listeners, he just plugged it. I will plug it again. You can find him on Twitter at JetBlackAU. Sweet Release is on Twitter as well at SweetReleaseAU underscore. Their website, SweetRelease.agency. I'll have a link to all of those in the and page from this week, so make sure you hit that and page. Give them a follow. If you're on social media, we are as well. We are at FullServicePod on Instagram and Twitter. My personal Instagram and Twitter, at TankFunkadelic. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Hit that like button. Hit that follow button. Hit whatever button makes it so that whenever we release a new episode, you get alerted. You know, whatever button that is. (laughs) But I appreciate you being here. Episode 54. It's done. It's over. It's in the books. We will be back next Tuesday. Who's my guest? Oh boy, I don't know. I feel like a. I feel like it'll probably be a solo episode. I haven't done a solo episode in a few weeks. So it'll either be a solo episode or I'll have another interview. I'll. Uh, who knows what's happening? Uh, either way, we will be back on Tuesday. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you hit us with a five star rating. Write a five star review. I will love you forever. If you want to be on the podcast, if you want to hear anything talked about on the podcast, if you just want to write in and let us know how you're doing, send us an email, fullservicepod at gmail.com. I'm going to stop talking. This episode's over. I will see you on Tuesday. Later. Full service.